Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning again for those of you who um, who are just tuning in. <clears throat> We're having a debate about whether or not you put Cool Whip or Real Whip Cream on your pie buffet. And apparently not everyone has a pie buffet. I First of all, I don't understand that. And then um, people are split. There's a, there's, a, there's a division here among the people about whether or not whipped cream or real, real whipped cream or... Um, Cool Whip is the way to go. I will say that the Real Whip Cream fans are advocating with paragraphs and exclamation points and capital letters um, more often than the Cool Whip people. However, there are there 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 is much being said about Cool Whip, and I, I here's here's one thing I was not aware of. Oh, and we also have advocates, by the way, for ice cream. They don't think we should even be talking about Cool Whip or whipped cream. They would like for us to be talking about ice cream. Uh, I have one person who, um, let's see, they're on their apple pie. They're having homemade cinnamon bun ice cream. All right, that sounds really tasty. We do have um, Joni who made a rhubarb pie in the spring, put it in the freezer. They're going to trot that out on Thanksgiving in Sioux Falls. So, Joni, little shout out there. Uh, Lois's dad does not call it Cool Whip. He calls it Lick Dob. Lickdob. So I've asked for the origin of that, and she says the origin is Norwegian, which leads me to believe that somehow Cool Whip has made it around the world. I don't know. Or Lickdob um, just means, you know, you're just going to lick, lick the spoon off, and somehow that maybe the spoon is the dauber. I don't know. You see how far the debate could go. So, um, oh, I see. With everything else to prepare for, who has time to make whipped cream? No, 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 no. Other way around. I'm going with the person who says, with everything else to prepare for, we have time to make real whipped cream. Yes, we do. It takes like a minute. It doesn't take that long. Okay, so uh, real whipped cream. I am also a real whipped cream in your or on top of your hot chocolate as opposed to a marshmallow on the top of your hot chocolate, but maybe that is a debate for another day. Uh, let's see. Um, we have a friend saying, do you remember the Men in Black series? Will Smith criticized Tommy Lee Jones for putting, quote, a nasty piece of cheddar cheese on top of his slice of apple pie, and now I can't eat pie without it. All right. Oh, who who's having their pie that way? Who's putting the cheddar cheese? It's Thanksgiving, and really you feel like at the end of all the other food, you still need cheese on your pie. Yeah, I feel like you're going to need to wear some elastic waist pants. All right, so we've had a vote from Nick Pitts for chest pie. We, uh, we had uh, Luke Moon introduce the, um, the, the tragedy of the Cool Whip. He says the pie doesn't matter, just, you know, just got to have, it's really just a delivery device for the Cool Whip. Um, we have been informed that most of our pumpkin pies are actually sweet potato pies, especially if we're buying Libby's um, 
canned pumpkin, which apparently isn't pumpkin at all. Uh, I've had someone text in and say, I have walnuts and no pecans. Can I make a pecan pie with walnuts? Um, No. That's just a hard no on that. Um, And, oh, the family that's making a peanut butter pie, I don't think that's Thanksgiving. I, I don't know what holiday that is, but I don't think peanut butter pie is Thanksgiving. And then... Ha, ha, ha to the person who said we're having quiche. Yeah, because that's not pie. All right. There you go. Um, I don't know. That's I've I had so many things to say at the opening of the hour, but I've used all my time to talk about Thanksgiving and what's on the menu. So you can text me anything you want. But if it's Thanksgiving oriented, I am uh, very pleased to read it today. And the number is 877-933-2484. The good doctor, Jeff Barrows, is waiting in the wings. We're going to talk across a range of um, of health headlines. I'm going to start with this. Does eating turkey really make us tired? That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. Song, song of the South. Sweet potato pie and I shut my mouth. Yes, Dr. Jeff Barrows is here. Um, I do appreciate the person who said um, that in much the same way that we turn our clocks back <clears throat> uh, in the fall, we also, on the night before Thanksgiving, turn our scales back. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, good morning. Good morning, Carmen. How do you do that? How do you turn a scale back? I, I didn't know you could I don't do know. that. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. It probably has a dial on the back. Obviously, you have never monkeyed around with the scale. Okay, there you no. go. And we've learned something from Dr. Jeff Barrows already this morning. <laughs> um, does eating turkey really make you tired? Yes, it actually does, but it's not as simple as many of your listeners may think. Now, I'm sure many of them are aware that turkey has a higher-than-normal level of tryptophan, which is one of the 20 amino acids that we use in our body to build the proteins that, that are in our body. And tryptophan, if it gets into the, the brain tissue, can be converted into another chemical called serotonin, which can help you go to sleep. But the thing that's, that's kind of tricky about it is if you just eat turkey alone, not much tryptophan is going to get into the brain. So what you need is what you've already been talking about, and that is that slice of apple or pumpkin pie, because what that does is it causes your blood sugar to go up, and then your body produces an extra boost of insulin, and that insulin then helps the tryptophan get into the brain tissue and create serotonin and make you sleepy. So All right, the, hear- the bottom line is, if you want to take a nap after Thanksgiving dinner, have your turkey and then have a big piece <laughs> of pumpkin or apple pie. Okay, so I have a friend who is pregnant. Her baby is due in, um, I think like, let's see, four, five, six, six or seven weeks. And um, she has been recently diagnosed with the kind of diabetes that you have when you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she's, you know, obviously hyper concerned about not being able to eat pie at Thanksgiving. I heard you say the word insulin. That triggered my thought related to this. 
Um, are there ways that I can be sensitive as a host or a hostess to people who do have some, um, you know, some particular dietary concerns related to Thanksgiving without sort of upsetting the whole table? Yeah, specifically your friend that is pregnant. And what is happening is, in her case, she's not quite producing enough insulin to keep up with the increasing blood sugar levels that she's encountering. And so one simple thing to do for her is if she wants to have just a little bit of pumpkin pie or apple pie, one bite is not going to make that much difference rather than a big slice. So Mm -hmm. there are ways you can kind of cut down on the portions for people like that and still be able to enjoy the tastes and the fun of Thanksgiving. Which is really all I want on my Thanksgiving plate anyway, is like one bite of each thing. Because, right, if any more than that, yeah. it's just crazy. All right. Yeah. So, and, you um, know, your, your taste buds take off on that first bite. And after that, they just kind of get used to it, and it's not quite the same. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about um, doctors who are appealing to the Supreme Court on behalf of the unborn. What's going on there? Well, the Christian Medical Dental Associations has joined with four other like-minded medical associations that that accept Hippocratic values. And by that, I mean the values that was uh, espoused by Hippocrates 2,400 years ago. And he made his followers uh, sign an oath where they said that they would not prescribe any medication that would cause an abortion or cause a premature death on an individual requesting assisted suicide. And they had the capacity at that time because they had developed various poisons that could do those things. And unfortunately, modern medicine has lost that. So CMDA, along with other organizations, formed what we call the Alliance for Hippocratic Medicine. And one thing that we see happening across our medical culture today is that we're seeing uh, organizations and specifically medical organizations that are espousing that abortion is a right because abortion is health care. And so we released a statement a couple of weeks ago specifically stating that no, abortion is not health care. And we tried to bring out the scientific basis for that that really has come out since Roe v. Wade. And the first thing that we point out is that scientists, and specifically embryologists, and these are people who study the early development of the fetus, embryologists almost without fail all agree that life begins at conception. And that's an important scientific point for people to recognize. The second thing we pointed out is that now new evidence shows that babies as young as 12 weeks in the uterus have the capacity to feel pain. It used to say uh, that it was maybe at 20, 22 weeks. Well, now there's new evidence that shows, no, it's as early as 12 weeks. And then the third thing that we point out is that there are definite harms that come from abortion. And those harms include preterm labor is increased. Uh, Also, women who've never had a term pregnancy, if they have an abortion, their risk of breast cancer goes up significantly as a result of that abortion. And the third thing is the mental health problems that happen after an abortion. So we wanted to get those scientific evidence and scientific data out about the harms of abortion and know it is not health care. It is the opposite of health care. It's destroying the life in a woman. And this, of course, gets into the big hearing next week before the Supreme Court on Dobbs versus Jackson. 
All right. And I know that so many of you um, are not really tuned in to uh, not even the headline news, let alone what's on the docket for the Supreme Court next week. So we will um, be sure and revisit this topic um, when it comes when it circles back around. Um, Dr. Barrows, let's uh, let's take a very brief break. When we come back, I, I just I want to talk about something that's going on with teenage girls. It's a very difficult topic. But if you have a teenage girl in your life, um, this is a really important conversation, cutting and self-harm, uh, something that our teenage girls are engaging in in really um, troubling rates. So we're going to talk with Dr. Jeff Barrows from the Christian Medical and Dental Association about the rising uh, tide of cutting and self-harm among teenage girls in America. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Shoe flat pie, an apple pan, Daddy makes your eyes light up. Your Tommy say howdy, shoe flat pie. All right, Dr. Jeff Barrows from the Christian Medical and Dental Association is here today, um, and we're going to turn to a really, really serious subject, and that is cutting and self-harm. Um, in all likelihood, you are going to be with people at Thanksgiving that you're not ordinarily with. Um, some of those might be teenage girls. Um, Jeff, what do we need to know, and maybe what do we need to be looking for? Well, Carmen, as uh, your listeners may be aware, there's been a lot in the news in the last few weeks about the harms of social media within the news, especially the the ex-employee of Facebook who's been testifying about how Facebook has has really ignored the potential for harms on young people. And back in 2018, uh, a group of researchers uh, looked at uh, the the number of posts on Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, and these were posts that were pictures of their their own cutting episodes. They would they would cut themselves and then place this post fresh on on Instagram, and they would get a bunch of followers. And these researchers found at the beginning of the year that there was an enormous number of these posts. It was between 60 and 70,000 new posts per month, which is terrible. And of course, we, we all know that that cutting is extremely dangerous. It is it's a sign of of distress within a young person, and it's more common in girls. But what the researchers also found is that by the end of the calendar year in 2018, the number of posts had almost do- doubled to over 112,000 in the month of mm. December alone. Mm. And so, first of all, I was just taken aback that Instagram would allow this to be put up, and especially in such numbers. And in fact, the BBC ran a story in 2019 of a young girl in London at 12 years old who had been hooked into cutting in order so that she could get followers on Instagram. Mm. And so she would cut herself and people would say, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. Her father found out about it, wrote to Instagram, complained, but initially they just said, no, there's nothing we can do about it. Now, the good news is that finally the pressure got great enough in 2020 that Instagram decided to begin uh, deleting these posts and not allowing them to go on. But but they allowed it for many years, and it's it's just another sign of the harm of social media with kids. And so I think the takeaway 
for us today is that this is a clear sign that harm, self-harm in teenagers is increasing. There's other data that shows that it's increasing. There's one study that shows that the incidence in roughly 2008 was about 3%, and it jumped up to about 19% in 2015. So this is increasing, and social media is, is, is participating with this. So my takeaway for parents is, first of all, you need to know what your kids, especially your teenagers, are doing online, especially in social media. And if you happen to have a child that's a little bit on the margin, isn't in the popular, popular crowd, is struggling with their self-image, be especially aware of what they're doing online because you never know. Yeah, for those of you who um, are aware of this, uh, teenagers are you know, very, very creative. And, you know, certainly if you were to go search the hashtag self-harm, that is censored on Instagram. It's also censored on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Um, But TikTok has become maybe the preferred platform where teenagers are using secret hashtags to discuss their self-harm and to post their videos. Um, So this is not, you know, it's not isolated to one particular platform. It's absolutely something we got to be talking with our young people um, about. And, uh, and and doing so, um, you know, really, really honestly, and then getting them the very real help that they need. Um, Jeff, let's uh, let's talk about flu season briefly before we uh, before we run out of time. Um, I have heard all kinds of ads for you know you come get your COVID shot and get a get a flu vaccine at the same time. Um, remind us, you know, why why flu season matters in the midst of everything else. Well, a lot of people are forgetting about flu because of all the news and and the coverage regarding COVID-19, but the flu season has started. It really starts uh, in October, and that's the month that most people would recommend that you get the flu vaccine. I actually just recently got my uh, COVID booster in one arm and my flu vaccine in the other arm. And I'll I'll tell you, quite honestly, my my flu vaccine hurt a little bit more than my, my COVID booster which surprised me a little bit. But it's important because between 16,000 and and, uh, 61,000 people die every year just from flu. And there are certain groups of people that are at risk. And as an OBGYN, I I vividly remember several of my, my pregnant patients who were otherwise healthy. They were in the third trimester. They got the flu, and because the, the immune system is, is damped down a little bit during pregnancy, they're not able to fight off the flu virus as well as they normally would. And I saw several women get deathly ill from influenza. So I definitely recommend that women who are pregnant get the flu vaccine to protect themselves in addition to the COVID vaccine. So it's, it's a disease that's still out there. It's a disease that can cause harm, and so we don't want to forget about it. Um, I want to pause, Jeff, while you're still here with us and uh, lift up Mary's daughter, Mary Texten, um, that she's got a young adult daughter who continues to self-harm even into adulthood. And mm. Mary, I just want you to um, know that we're praying for you um, and we're praying for um, praying for your daughter as well. So, Jeff, would you join me um, as we lift, lift these precious people up? Absolutely. Well, Father, we thank you for the gift of life. And we thank you for um, Mary, and we thank you for her daughter. And we ask, Father, that you would pour healing into this situation. Hear my brother Jeff as he prays. Father, we just pray that the, the, 
the problem behind this cutting comes to light and that uh, the parents can find out what's going on and the therapist can find out. And I, I just pray for this young woman that she can find comfort in the knowledge that you love her, you are there with her, and that you are uh, very much value her as a child. And so just bring these things to light and help her to overcome this terrible habit. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, Dr. Jeff Barrows, thank you so much for joining us. You guys can find all kinds of wonderful resources at the Christian Medical and Dental Association website, cmda.org. Jeff, happy Thanksgiving. My uh, And happy Thanksgiving to you, Carmen. I hope you have a good week. Thank you. You too. We'll be right back. All right. Apparently, I started quite a debate about what is in Libby's 100% pure pumpkin pie. Packed pumpkin. Right. It is packed pumpkin. Apparently, squash and pumpkin, like they do use this one kind and they own the rights to grow it. So it is grown in the USA. Um, It is a pumpkin, but it is a squash. So this is sort of the, is pumpkin a squash? I think this is the, the thing we call a pumpkin is in fact a type of squash. So see now I'm just Googling. All right. Pumpkin is a squash. So there you go. It's this variety, uh, now the debate, uh, we can't even have a debate now, because now squash pie is pumpkin pie. All right, that kind of took all the fun out of that. We can still have a debate between stuffing and stuffing and dressing, whipped cream or Cool Whip. Uh, I have people weighing in on cranberry from the can is the only way to have cranberry sauce at Thanksgiving. Like, they still want to see the ridges on the sides, apparently. The yams versus the sweet potato crowd is definitely out there, and now... There is someone who wants to start a debate about what kind of rolls we're eating. What kind of rolls are you eating? Apparently, King's Hawaiian is popular among some people. Down where I live, it's Sister Schubert. Those would be the rolls that you would be buying to put in the oven and bake. Are you making your own yeast rolls? There you go. That's what's going on here. Oh, yeah, and what kind of pies? Again, shout out to the person making quiche. That is not the kind of pie we're talking about at Thanksgiving. Next up, because on this Sunday we start the season of Advent... Mark Yarbrough is going to join us. He is the president of Dallas Theological Seminary, and he's written an Advent devotional called Tidings of Comfort and Joy. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. This is Max Lucado. No condition is too dark. No situation is too difficult. No problem is so severe that God can't intervene, overturn, and reverse the course of events. Isn't this the promise of the story of Esther? On this day, the enemies of the Jews had hoped to overpower them. But now the tables were turned and the Jews got the upper hand over those who hated them. God is the God of the plot twist. Exactly what did happen in Esther's case? Well, God softened a hard heart. That same day, King Xerxes gave Queen Esther the estate of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, and Mordecai came into the presence of the king. With an impression of his ring, Xerxes could condemn an entire race, yet a higher king was at work, and he still is. All right, Dr. 
Dr. Mark Yarbrough is with us. Uh, he is the president of Dallas Theological Seminary, and I bet he did not think that the first question he was going to be asked today was going to be about what kind of pie he will be indulging in on Thanksgiving. Dr. Yarbrough, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Well, good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Good morning. All right. Um, we have established <clears throat> that quiche is not a pie. We have an ongoing debate here today about whether or not you're having whipped cream or Cool Whip on your pie. There's dairy farmers listening, so uh, take that into consideration. So what kind of pie? Nick Pitts uh, voted for chess pie. Luke Moon voted for the pie doesn't matter, just the Cool Whip on the top. What say, uh, what say you, Dr. Yarbrough? Well, I just need you to know I'm in favor of pie, any kind of pie, but I do have an affection towards pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving. So we have established this morning that apparently pumpkin is a squash. And for the, so the people who uh, were trying to lure me into some terrible debate about whether or not Libby's was mislabeling their can, um, they, you know, because apparently it's squash. Well, uh, pumpkin is a squash. So there you go. That's that's yeah, what I have well, for you. That is what we've covered. That is the soil we have tilled to this point, among other things. Well, that's an important subject for some people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let's talk about the season of Advent, which gets underway this Sunday. Um, and you have this beautiful Advent devotional booklet, Tidings of Comfort and Joy. It's 25 days. So we can really just start on December the 1st. Um, for those of you who are listening and saying to yourself, oh, I already know I want a copy of that. Yes, we're giving away copies. You know the drill. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. Dr. Yarbrough, um, what is Advent and why should we devote ourselves to devotional time during Advent? You know what? That is a great question. Advent actually just comes from a big fancy uh, Latin word, right, that means coming, and so in some denominations in the Christian faith, obviously, it means a lot of different things. But ultimately, when we think about the Advent season, we uh, are focusing in on the coming of Christ. So we get to celebrate uh, the greatest uh, moment where the word became flesh. I'm using John's language there, obviously. And thinking about the fact that God stepped into our mess in order to pull us out. And so ultimately, when we think about Advent and even a devotion like this is, is trying to frame this great story that is more than just the nativity, right? It's trying to get us to see that this is the, the plan of the ages where, where God himself comes into planet Earth uh, in the form of Jesus Christ. So I appreciate that you approach this as a lover of God and a lover of the Word of God. Um, it really does come through that you are trying to teach us um, what God has said about His Son, um, and in advance of His coming and in His coming, that you are you are really wooing us into the larger story. Talk with us yes. about um, why carefully handling the Word of God matters to you. Yeah, it does, because, um, you know, we really approach this, right, as uh, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for, I'm, I'm quoting that from uh, Timothy, and, you know, it, we believe that this is God's word, and God has spoken, that he has um, not come into this dialogue just nonchalantly, but he has chosen to communicate to us his love for us, 
And so when we look at the nativity story, we need to understand it as part of a great grand narrative, not just in Matthew and Luke's accounts where we get the great stories of Bethlehem, and rightfully so, and that's frequently what we zero in on around Christmas time. But when we see it in the grand narrative of which it is, we find out that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament covenant promises. And so this is the plan of the ages that at Christmas time we're able to revel in. I really appreciate that. The devotional is Tidings of Comfort and Joy. We're going to talk about why we need comfort and where we find joy with Dr. Mark Yarbrough in just a minute. But let me just remind everybody, we are giving away copies of this Advent devotional today. If you'd like to enter the drawing, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Mark, talk with us about comfort and joy. Yeah, I tell you what, you know, when we think about uh, Advent, and again, back on that issue of uh, focusing in on the coming of Christ, uh, you know, comfort is found in the fact that that uh, God longs to deal with our great problem, and our problem is sin. I mean, it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, doesn't it, in terms of mm-hmm. uh, where sin entered this, this perfect environment, and uh, Adam and Eve chose to adhere to the words of the serpent in the garden as opposed to the creator God. And from that point forward, when God said it, he was serious about it. Where there is sin, there is a death. The day you eat of it, you'll surely die. And we see that from Genesis chapter three all the way forward. And so we've got this massive problem on the planet and it's called sin and it's tainted every one of us and uh, we're condemned by it. And, And so comfort comes in the fact that that with lap number one of the Messiah, that's a phrase that I use a lot, talking about Advent number one, meaning Bethlehem, when when God stepped into this mess, he himself came uh, as a babe in Bethlehem, one who was full deity and perfect humanity, but the purpose of Jesus coming was to go to the cross. And so when we see that, there is comfort in the fact that God has made a way for our sin to be dealt with once and for all, and that's through the sacrifice of his son. So ultimately, the cradle is leading to the cross, and and I think that's important for us to see, and that's one of the things that I try to do in this book is to constantly point us to where this babe in Bethlehem is going. Uh, It's not just a fascinating account, which it is in and of itself, and we should marvel at it, but it's going somewhere. It's part of this grand narrative. That brings comfort to us, no doubt, because once and for all, our sin has been dealt with because of what this babe in Bethlehem did for us. Hmm. Tidings of comfort and joy, 25 devotions leading to Christmas. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Mark Yarbrough in just a moment. And I'm going to ask him, hey, if lap one is Bethlehem, and that's the first advent, hmm, what's coming next? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing our conversation with Dr. Mark Yarbrough. He is the president of Dallas Theological Seminary, which could lead us into all kinds of conversations about other things today. But today we're talking about his Advent devotional. It is Tidings of Comfort and Joy, 25 um, lessons leading up to, 25 devotions leading to Christmas. We are giving away copies. Text the word book 
to 877-933-2484. Um, all right. So uh, if the first lap is Bethlehem, right, Advent 1, I think that the question that a lot of people ask is, you know, is Jesus really coming again, like literally? Like, is there going to be another Advent? Yeah, it's a great question. And the Bible resoundingly says, yes, uh, he is coming back. You know, when I use that phrase of lap number one and lap number two or Advent number one, Advent number two, um, you know, I don't know how you can avoid that in scripture, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, I was reading recently again in the book of Acts. And so after the death, burial and resurrection of our Lord, uh, he ascends. And, and at the beginning of Acts, we have that story. So he tells the disciples to stay here in Jerusalem. Well, at the end of that, it's in chapter one. I mean, it's right at the very beginning of this. So it says this, after he said these things, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently. So this is the disciples were looking intently into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? And I've, I always say this when I teach this passage of like, you know, if you ever wanted to like slap an angel right then, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, come on, we're just, we're not used to what we're seeing here. And here's what they say. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into the heavens will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into the heavens. It was a physical ascension. It is going to be a physical return. So when you look at the core doctrines of the church, the church has always believed in the return of Christ. So that is one of the core convictions of the faith is that Jesus is coming back. And I frequently say this, you know, I think that the more that we look at this world and the mess that we are in, you know, it's going to take the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to sort this out. And so mm. we do believe that he is coming back to planet Earth and that he will rule and reign. Okay, can we um, have a little bit slightly different conversation? Because you have um, an environment and a context and access to relationships that none of us have. And so when you, um, at Dallas Seminary, you know, you're preparing people to serve in congregational ministry and in academic settings as well. But I guess I'm, I'm focused in really on those people who are preparing for pastoral ministry. Um, right. How has that conversation maybe changed in recent years in terms of sort of the health of the church in America? Like, what are they going out? Where, where from Dallas Theological Seminary, they're going to go to congregations across the country, many of which are um, not in a great state of health. Are they just going right. to go out and plant new churches? Like, what What do you see? Well, I'll tell you what, I, I certainly agree with you that uh, the state of the church is in a struggle right now. And part of this, when we're talking about the church in the West versus the global church, I do think it's mm -hmm. important for us to realize that globally, there are some things that are happening that are just unprecedented. I know that's such a word amazing, that like amazing things. Oh, my heavens. When you see the explosion of the church in Latin America, in primarily in sub-Sahara Africa, five major hotspots in uh, Asia or in Southeast Asia in particular, we're seeing uh, the growth of the church in unprecedented numbers. And so depending upon where one is going, they may see totally different things. We may not see mm. massive growth here in the West, but when you're talking globally, uh, we're talking about um, the World Evangelical Alliance is using numbers right now of saying we're seeing people come today of about 50, over 50,000 people a day are placing their faith in Christ. 
And so this is a, a huge moment. It's never happened in the history of the church, of the kind of growth that we're seeing. And so we're seeing students at DTS that are going out and preparing for a variety of ministries, everything from rural church USA to mega churches to parachurch ministries to, to, to global environments where they're stepping into rapid fire growth. So we're seeing a little bit of everything and we've got to prepare our students. And the number one thing that we can do is to get them anchored in the word of God. We got to know God's word in order to be able to live it out and certainly proclaim it to others. Amen. Amen. We um, deeply appreciate your commitment to the Lord and to the word of God and your commitment to invest in uh, the next generation of those who are going to serve the church in a myriad number of ways. Um, so, you know, so thank you. And thank you for the gift of this devotional work as well. Um, I particularly loved um, the entry about your dad's tractor. Um, that uh, that was a favorite one of mine in Tidings of Comfort and Joy. Um, so if you guys are listening right now and you want to— um, you want a devotional that's really going to lead you into the Word, but also has just got these really deeply personal stories in it as well. Um, it's a look into not only the birth of Jesus and the nativity, but where that fits in the cosmic scope of God's redemptive plan, this you know, this redemptive arc over all of human history and where we are right now in the midst of that. The book is Tidings of Comfort and Joy, 25 Devotions Leading to Christmas. We're giving away copies today. To enter the drawing, just text the word BOOK to 877-933-2484. All right, um, Mark, your favorite side dish for Thanksgiving. Oh, favorite side dish. Um, we're going to go with, well, I tell you, I just, I'm an old-fashioned <laughs> guy. I just love green beans, you know, with crushed <laughs> onions maybe on top. Oh, yeah, that's what oh. we're going to go with. All right, so we hadn't actually had an entry yet for green beans. So there you go. I'm adding it to the list. So fantastic. What a joy to talk with you. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be with you. Have a wonderful day. you. You too. We'll be right back. Just to be clear, Dr. Mark Yarbrough meant green bean casserole. When he said those onions on the top, he's talking about those little French's crispy onions that are fried and on the top of a green bean casserole. Yeah. I don't know. That could be a whole nother debate. We just do steamed green beans. We don't do the casserole. That's probably sacrilege to other people who... That is sacrilege to us Minnesotans. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Gotta have the casserole. <laughs> I feel like you guys put a can of cream soup in pretty much everything. It's yeah. not necessary. Yeah, it's and your point. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so um, I believe that the majority of our listeners um, have voted for stuffing versus dressing. I think that just means we need to grow our listenership in a different demographic. I don't know. Um, whipped cream versus Cool Whip. People seem to be overwhelmingly fans of um, of of fresh whipped cream. However, let me just say the Cool Whip people, they have sent in pictures of like stacks of containers. They're like it, you know, it, you don't even need Tupperware if you go this direction. Like, so anyway, the Cool Whip people are kind of fanatics. I don't know. Um, And then um, thank you again for all of you who have texted in your favorite pies and your pie plans. I feel like 
People having a pie plan is really good. And yes, 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 I acknowledge this is a conversation about our extraordinary blessings because we've been just been able to revel in the fact that we have so many choices. We are so blessed. We are so, so blessed. I recognize in the midst of of that that there are a lot of people um, who do not uh, share in the blessings that we enjoy. So let's be sure that we find ways to extend the grace of God to others. Let's not just say grace this Thanksgiving. Let's be people who extend the grace of others, uh, the, the grace of God to others. What does that look like? What does it look like to be a person who is an agent of the grace of God to more and more people? What does that look like? Maybe set um, another couple seats at your Thanksgiving table. Maybe take Thanksgiving um, to a school or to um, a place where older adults are living or maybe special needs friends are living in community together. Invite single people to your table. They, um, they need a family to share with this Thanksgiving as well. All kinds of great ideas to extend the grace of God to others this Thanksgiving. All right, we will talk more tomorrow on Wisdom and Witness Wednesday. Today is Taste and See Tuesday. So let's get out there. Let's taste and see that the Lord is good and let us make Christ known in the breaking of the bread. See you right back here tomorrow. Have a great day. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.